Michael Myers a minute. We delve into the 1978 horror classic Halloween one minute at a time. I'm your host, Robert Black. Minute 6 begins as the POV moves slowly up the stairs. Scripted is down the hall, but that was before they had the house. The clock chimes ten times. Remember, the mistake from last minute. The clock in the kitchen said 925, the clock in the living room said 940. Judith sings off screen. I want to be something with you, can't they call it all the words? She's not that loud. Until just last night, I'd only listened to the commentary track on the 35th anniversary disc, and last night I got to listen to the older commentary. And John Carpenter makes an interesting point here, as Ray Stella, the cameraman, is going up the stairs, actually through this through this whole sequence, that the crew, while small, still had to follow this tracking shot. So you got Ray Stella with the camera, uh, Deborah Hill in the clown costume, so she could get her hands in the shot, Carpenter directing. Uh, he didn't say who, but someone, production assistant, I guess. I'll have to look up which one. Uh, holding lights. And then these stairs, as I mentioned last minute when I was talking about Kenny Caperton, are narrower than stairs would be in a modern house. And so this whole group is going up these stairs following the shot. And right as they reach the top of the stairs, you might notice, if you're paying attention, Ray Stella stumbles a little. Like, he's behind this camera, he's got someone holding lights right next to his head. I don't think there was a microphone going, but, you know, this is what the production was like. A small crew working out of a one truck in a Winnebago, driving their own cars, squeezing into a narrow staircase to get the shot. Judith sings, everything I want to be, something I be. Slowly the POV moves toward the room. Uh, scripted. Suddenly we move down to the discarded Halloween mask on the floor. The POV bends down and picks it up. Then suddenly the POV is covered by the mask, and we see through the eye holes. This is second 23. There's an IMDb goof for this one. After Judith's boyfriend leaves, young Michael sends her up to his sister's bedroom, blah, 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 blah. Uh, her clothes are balled up together in a pile on the floor at the top of the landing. Actually, they're off to the side in the doorway to the room, but close enough. Uh, after he picks up the clown mask from the ground and puts it on, the pile of clothes are now trailing piece by piece towards Judith's bedroom door, and one of the articles of pink sweater is now openly lying flat. Yep. Sometimes, even an anonymous IMDb goof writer is correct. Stop clocks and all that. This first room, and I only realized this looking at the film one minute at a time, is Michael's bedroom. Judy's clothes are on Michael's floor. Danny and Judy were so intent on getting to their quickie, I'm actually surprised now that they did not just have sex in Michael's bed. Also, she wasn't sure where Michael was. What if he was in this room and she walked through, stripping off her clothes? Michael might have gotten angry and killed her. Oh. <laughs> Seconds 26 through 30, we see some of Michael's room. He has by his bed the Fisher-Price Little People Garage. I had that as a kid. A large green army truck. His bedspread is all squares on squares. There's a dump truck. A red briefcase on the dresser. I couldn't figure out what that was. I thought maybe some sort of 
magnifying, not magnifying glass, uh, microscope set, but I couldn't find it. A dartboard and the open door into Judy's room. From the script to the bedroom door and peers around inside, the sister sits at her night table, brushing her hair. She is still completely nude. Of course, she's not completely nude in the movie. Second 35, we get a stinger. In the novelization, there is an entire paragraph about how Judy likes to sit in front of the mirror and watch her breasts rise and fall with her brush strokes. When I mentioned this the night I recorded the conversations for Minute 1 and Minute 2, my sisters immediately asked if a man wrote the novelization. Yes, one did. Because teenage girls did not do that. Just as Michael looked at the couch last minute, here he looks at the unmade bed before moving toward Judy. From the script. The POV moves up behind the sister, sensing a presence. She spins around and stares at the POV, covering her breasts quickly. Sister. Michael? Up until this point, we do not know that we are Michael. We do not even know who Michael is, just that he is around someplace. In this moment, if we take the Chaos Comics Halloween comic as canon, maybe Judy is recalling when Michael interrupted her and Danny that day in Russellville back in May. She was forced to take Michael on their day trip, but they ditched him so they could have sex. Michael showed up, having killed a rabbit. Suddenly, the POV lunges forward. The sister continues to stare incredulously. There's a rapid blur as the POV drives the butcher knife into the sister's chest and out again almost before we've seen it. This is the script. The sister looks down at the blood forming at her hands, then back up at the POV with an astonished disbelief. In the novelization, Michael seems to stab Judy all over, and she tries slightly harder to fight him off. Quote, She jumped to her feet and backed away to the wall, knocking over her chair. What are you doing? What are you doing? She cried. As he raised the blade again, she held her hand out to protect herself. He slashed the hand viciously, and it dropped limply to her side. Now she was shrieking insanely as she grasped what was happening. He plunged the knife into her right breast, and a great gout of scarlet blood spurted out of the wound and soaked his hand and wrist. He thrust the blade into her belly. At what point she died, he didn't know. For now that she was defenseless, he stuck the knife into her again and again, jamming it into her breasts, belly, groin, arms, legs, and throat. He stabbed her fifty times if he stabbed her once, exultation sweeping over him like no joy he had ever known. End quote. In the film, Michael's stabs seemed to all be at the same angle. Second 54... The POV shifts to watching the knife, possibly because Michael has only just noticed that his hand is Deborah Hill's. From the script, then, in a wild paroxysm, the butcher knife blurs continuously in and out of frame, slashing the sister mercilessly. She begins to scream, trying to fend off the blows with her hands, and suddenly falls out of frame to the floor. And the minute ends. We hear the sound effect for the knife entering Flash nine times. The last one is Judy Falls. In the novelization, it says he stabbed her 50 times if he stabbed her once. The coroner says Michael stabbed Judy at least 31 times. Later, in the novelization, as Michael is following Annie and Lori to the babysitting gigs, he recalls this murder. Quote, he remembered, too, 
how in the middle of it, in the middle of ducking for apples, the feeling had come over him, a force like an iron hand that virtually shoved him out of the door and into the street, his little legs carrying him home, and a voice telling him what he had to do. In his mind's eye he had seen, that night, a picture of his sister as he had seen it a few times through the keyhole of her bedroom or in the crack of the bathroom door, pink, firm, with beautiful tight buttocks and round high breasts with jutting nipples, and the voice told him he must carve those breasts and buttocks into a thousand slabs of bloody meat. He remembered his own internal voice protesting, but it was such a helpless little boy voice. The grown-up voice had shouted it down easily and urged his little legs home faster, instructing him to go into the house through the kitchen door, remove the butcher knife from the drawer under the sink, and go upstairs. He remembered the look in her eyes as he entered her room, a look that darkened from surprise to recognition to horror in the space of a second. He remembered the little boy voice crying, What are you doing? But the grown-up voice crying, stick in her belly, stick it in her heart, stick it in her face, stick it in her arm, stick it in her leg, stab her, cut her, slice her, slash her, kill 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 her. End quote. Echoes of Lord of the Flies, it seems, where the boys chant, kill the pig, cut her throat, spill her blood, kill the pig, cut her throat, bash her in. The novelization continues. Quote. He had known she was screaming because he saw her lips moving, but he heard nothing but the roar of the grown-up voice in his ears. He remembered the heat of her blood as it splashed his hands, and the strangely familiar smell of it. He remembered looking at her almost unrecognizable remains on the floor and hearing the little boy voice saying, Uh-oh, you're going to get in a lot of trouble when Mommy and Daddy get home. But that is for next minute. That is all for Minute 6. Michael Myers Minute is a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. You can stalk us on Twitter and Facebook at Myers Minute. Our Instagram is really where it's at for this podcast lately, Michael Myers Minute. Or join our Facebook listeners group, 45 Lampkin Lane. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a nice review if you like what you hear. And if you really like what you hear, you can help me out by donating through Patreon. Patreon.com slash Myers Minute. Until next time. See you later. Bye.